Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 329 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. Let me first start by congratulating Jalen Hurts for getting a five-year, $255 million extension, which includes $179 million guaranteed. Uh, I think when you talk about like total pay or something, Jalen Hurts would be or or is currently the highest paid player in NFL history. When you're talking about like annual salary or something like that. If you really look at it, yes, Carson Wentz had a very, very brief run. And of course, Nick Foles did what he did in the playoffs. But Jalen Hurts has been the best quarterback that the Eagles have had in recent memory. I think the last one that you can kind of compare him to is Donovan McNabb. So when you have a quarterback that has proven to be one of the best quarterbacks of in your franchise currently, and they lead, they you know he leads you to a Super Bowl. I, I can appreciate and I love the fact that the Eagles did what was right. They understood, okay, we just got to the Super Bowl. It doesn't even matter if they get to the Super Bowl again. I think, of course, that's what they're banking on, but they they locked up their prize possession. They locked up their 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 best player. And 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 maybe even if you want to argue if he is the best player or not, he is one of the most important players. He is probably the most important player. Now, do I think that he is the best quarterback in the league? Of course not. And I also don't think that value comes from being paid the most. We'll talk about that in a second. But I don't think value – like, Kurt Cousins is one of the highest paid players in the league. I don't think he is the best quarterback in the league. You know what I'm saying? Or I don't think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I can appreciate and I do like the fact that the Eagles did what was right and paid paid Jalen Hurst what he what what he felt he was worth and what they feel he was worth. Now, one thing that I can appreciate is when an organization does right for a player, they also do right for themselves. And even though you look at 255 million, 179 million guaranteed, and look, that's that's astronomical. That's crazy. That's a big number. The Eagles still, for lack of a better term, made it a team friendly deal, and now you're still able to sign players. You're still able to to bolster the team because the team did lose a, a good number of people in free agency, uh, and and. Now, now you're still able. You still give yourself wiggle room to sign key key pieces. I think that I think Jalen Hurts did deserve this contract. Again, when you look at the Eagles and you look at the recent history, Nick Foles had an incredible playoff run, which of course ultimately won the, the Eagles their first Super Bowl in franchise history. But Again, Jalen Hurts, in my opinion, I, I will say this, and I've come on here several times and and have I, I've said where I was wrong at. I was wrong about Jalen Hurts. Again, let me remind you about the Jalen Hurts that we have seen. 
we saw Jalen Hurts that, of course, went to Alabama, got benched in the national championship for Tua Tagovailoa, goes to Oklahoma. While, yes, he was a Heisman finalist and everything, he didn't, of course, Oklahoma didn't really win anything. They won games, of course, but they didn't win, like, the national championship or anything like that. You go to the Eagles, one of the worst records in the league when he first gets there. He's more he's considered more of a project than anything else. And then of course you remember the play when when he made them well, he took them to the playoffs and they went up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game plan was make Jalen Hurst pass the ball. If we lose because he throws 300 400 yards, that's okay. It is what it is. It was just their day. And Jalen Hurst struggled mightily. But then, again, one thing that I will say, and I can appreciate this, and I love this, actually, is Jalen Hurts has improved year after year after year to now one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Not the best, of course, but one of the best. And a quarterback that deserves this type of money. Now, I hear a lot of people looking at this deal saying the people that believe Jalen Hurts doesn't deserve this money. A lot of the people are saying the re- the biggest reason why the Eagles made it to the Super Bowl was the defense. The defense was historically one of the greatest defenses. If you just look at stats, one of the greatest defenses of all time. And Jalen Hurts didn't have to do that much, especially when you look at the passing yards. Uh, his rushing yards were up there, but you look at the passing yards and everything. It's like he didn't have to do much for them to get to the Super Bowl. And I will... I guess contest that and say, well, again, it got, one of the one of the examples that I love using when describing or talking about quarterbacks is the 49ers. The 49ers for the long for for a couple of years now, in my opinion, have had the best roster in football. From top to bottom, they have had the best roster in football. And honestly, if roster, if just roster mattered, the 49ers would be a multiple time Super Bowl, like reigning Super Bowl champions. The reason why the 49ers have not won a Super Bowl in, in, in the last few years, even though I believe they've had the best roster, is because of the quarterback position. Football is one of those sports where it doesn't matter how it. It doesn't matter to a certain extent how good your entire roster is. If you do not have a quarterback, it does not matter. Shouts out to Brock Purdy. Shouts out to Trey Lance. Shouts out to Jimmy G. They're not getting it done. And I and I always look at it like this. Let's say Joe Burrow was the quarterback for the 49ers. Do you think that they won a Super Bowl? What if Justin Herbert? What if... Patrick Mahomes, what if Aaron Rodgers, what if Tom Brady, what if Super Bowl or quarterbacks that we believe will win a Super Bowl at least once in their career or or quarterbacks that have won Super Bowl, quarterbacks that we believe are top of the game, if they were the quarterback for the 49ers, do you think that they would have been won a championship? Let me bring that back to the Eagles. Yes, the Eagles had an incredible defense. Yes, the Eagles have one of the best offensive lines in football with Lane Johnson, with uh, Jason Kelsey. But it's because, but it doesn't matter if you do not have the quarterback position locked up, and they do with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts proved, at least last year, that he is a top 10 quarterback. A lot of people are arguing he's top five. 
And you're paying a top 10, top five, arguably quarterback what he deserves, $255 million, 179 guaranteed, which is the the uh, that's pretty much the market now. And speaking of market, let me go to my sec. Let me go to the second part of it. No, actually, congratulations again to Jalen Hurts for getting this contract. Definitely well deserved. But let me go to the second ha- second part of this this topic, and that is, of course, whenever you hear about a quarterback now getting a deal or getting you know getting an extension the conversation is is usually going to revert to Lamar Jackson because of course as we know Lamar Jackson is fighting with the or in contract negotiations with the Ravens to get him a contract and when you look at other people's contracts they're going, you're going to ask, does this help Lamar Jackson? Does this hurt Lamar Jackson as far as his chances on getting what he's asking for? Jalen Hurts' contract is a huge win for not only the Ravens, but the market. And let me tell you why. What, let, me, let me first explain the market. Let me first explain the market. Because I see a lot of people that have been commenting under my videos and everything, commenting under my Lamar Jackson videos. They don't understand market. The market is set usually after the last guy gets paid. The last top guy gets paid. Let me say that. The market is forever changing. The market in 2004 is definitely not the market in 2023. The the, the market in 2012 changes because if you look at the money that quarterbacks and, 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 and players in general was making in 2012, it is drastically different than what is being made in 2023. So the market is forever changing and it's usually when the high the, the highest number or the, the person with the highest number usually sets the market. The thing that people don't understand is just because the market is set doesn't mean that everyone needs to get paid that amount. It just means that's where the market is set. That's where the highest that's the highest amount. Let me first explain why this is a huge win for the market. The market has was set, or a lot of people expected the market to be set where Deshaun Watson got his, you know, what, 230 uh, fully guaranteed or something like that. The Cleveland Browns set a market that nobody wanted to reach. You saw people after like like Kyler Murray, like Russell Wilson, both serviceable, really good quarterbacks at the at the time, get paid under or lower less than what Deshaun Watson made. That didn't reset the market because the market was still there, and there were still people, i.e., Lamar Jackson, demanding. From what we've been told, demanding. Deshaun Watson money. That is still the market. 
But let me tell you again why this Jalen Hurts contract helps that and kind of reshapes the market. Because when one person does something and you see every a lot everybody after that do something different, that means that that person didn't set the market. They're just the outlier. If you see somebody like, again, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, and now Jalen Hurts get different deals or deals less than Deshaun Watson, and you don't see anybody else get Deshaun Watson money, Deshaun Watson was the market for a moment, minute. Now they're just considered the outlier. And when you have a Super Bowl qualifying quarterback or a quarterback that led his team to the Super Bowl now take less than Deshaun Watson, you can't then say, hey, I still am looking at Deshaun Watson, especially if you now if you're if you're Patrick Mahomes, then yes, you can look at Deshaun Watson's deal and say I deserve more than that, and you would be absolutely correct. You have won what two two Super Bowls? You've been to three. Then yes, you can. You someone like a Patrick Mahomes can say I'm looking at what Deshaun Watson makes, and I want I, I feel I deserve more than that. I'm he's a multiple time MVP, multiple time Super Bowl champion. Dessert, you know what I'm saying? But now let me explain how this Jalen Hurt Jalen Hurts contract helps the Ravens tremendously, but hurts Lamar Jackson. When you're the Ravens, you can now go to the negotiating table and say, hey. I don't understand how you feel. You deserve more money than a quarterback that led their team to the Super Bowl. Now, again, you can, if you're Lamar Jackson, you can always say, I still an MVP. I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm still Lamar Jackson. I have a playoff win, but a playoff win is obviously different for different than a Super Bowl appearance, which Lamar Jackson has not done. And on top of that, another reason why this helps the Ravens is the deal that Jalen Hurts signed was eerily similar to the deal that the Ravens offered Lamar Jackson originally. Very similar. This just Lamar Jackson turned it down. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have to do one of two things at this point. I think that the whole getting anywhere close to Deshaun Watson money is out the window, especially when you see what Jalen Hurts got. Now, at this point, you can argue if Lamar Jackson is better than Jalen Hurts. In fact, I believe Lamar Jackson is better than Jalen Hurts. And that's no offense to Jalen Hurts. I just believe when I'm starting a team and when I'm building a team, I want Lamar Jackson before Jalen Hurts. But one thing that cannot be negated is one player has led their team to a Super Bowl, even though they didn't win. One team, one player led their team to a Super Bowl. Another player has only one playoff win. Now, I, one thing that I don't like, and and you've hear this a lot, and, and you hear it more than I, I 
when 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 something when something's not going your way, let me say this, or when when someone's not fitting a box, when hey, when someone is not fitting a box that they usually fit. Let me let me how do I explain this? I hear a lot of people talk about how they're out on Lamar Jackson now. I hear a lot of people talk that Lamar Jackson is inconsistent. Lamar Jackson is unavailable. Lamar Jackson, we should they they're out on him. He's getting noisy. Lamar Jackson is is he he's not a quarterback you can build around anymore. Let's let's not conflate this situation here and let's not conflate what's really real. Lamar Jackson is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Lamar Jackson has won 70% of his games that he started. Lamar Jackson is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He was just injured the last two years. Now, again, if you want to say that his injury, again, when you're when you're at the negotiating table, team, whatever side is negotiating is always going to find things that help their case, right? This Jalen Hurts deal tremendously helps the Ravens' case because then they can go back and again say, "Why would we pay you this, or why do you think you deserve more than this if you have not done more than X player?" Even though, yes. Jalen Hurst does not have his uh, MVP. Lamar Jackson does, but that's pretty much where the difference is, or the 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 comparison stop. Because Jalen Hurts led his team to a Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson is yet to do that. I I think that one of two things is going to have to happen with Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson's either going to have to cave and sign a deal that he may not believe he's worth. Uh, but whatever the Ravens are offering or another team is going to offer, because I, I, I just don't I don't see, at least currently, I don't see how a team, either the Ravens or any other team, can offer Lamar Jackson more than Jalen Hurts, especially when you look at what Jalen Hurts just accomplished compared to what Lamar Jackson has yet to do. So I think Lamar's either going to have to to accept the fact of I'm I'm not going to make this much money. I'm not going to do that or they're they're offering me this and they're not going to go up. So I'm going to have to accept this or you're going to have to wait and see what the market holds for a Jay, for a Joe Burrow, for a Justin Herbert maybe have to sit out. I wouldn't advise that, but that might be what he has to do because it just I just don't feel like if if he's trying to get what Deshaun Watson's making, and that has been the reports this entire time, I just don't see that happening, especially with this Jalen Hurst contract. And don't get me wrong, Jalen Hurst deserves every single penny that he was paid. But when you have a quarterback that has done more than Jalen Hurts, I mean, no, that has done more than Deshaun Watson, that has done more than Kyler Murray, and in recent, recent history has done more than Russell 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 Wilson and has done more than Lamar Jackson, 
Now you can't come if you're Lamar Jackson and say, I still deserve more than this player. So, again, shouts out to Jalen Hurts for getting the contract. And shouts out for the Eagles, man. Again, this, even though that's that's $255 million, 179 is is godly numbers. It's still a team friendly deal if, you know, because they still have holes that they need to be that needs to be filled. But one hole that is not or that is filled for the foreseeable future now, or at least for the next five years, is the quarterback position. So shouts out to Jalen Hurts. Shouts out to the Eagles. Let me go over to the NBA playoffs. The most interesting and the most exciting. Uh round that we have seen and and rightfully so we kind of at least I kind of predicted this was going to be the Kings and the Golden State Warriors as I'm recording this is Tuesday afternoon of course the episodes the DSPs release midnight on Wednesdays and the visuals the YouTube version releases at eight nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Wednesdays but I'm recording this Tuesday afternoon, meaning that there are still game twos that need to commence. But we, we, at least for these first two games, the most interesting and the best series has been the Kings and Golden State Wars as we expected it to be. When you have players like Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Demonis Sabonis, you have Mike Brown, Steve Kerr. This is this has been the best series so far. And as we currently talk or speak, the Kings are up against Golden State 2-0. Now, if you remember last episode, and you remember when I was giving my predictions, and I even put it in a reel or a short, I said that whoever won game two was going to win the series. Because... It's hard for me to see Golden State if they would have gone down 2-0 or gone down, uh, split 1-1. It would have been hard for me to see them win four of the next five games. And I think and, and on the King side, it was like if they saw that Golden State, which has been uh, struggled all year on the road, still won at home. I think that that was going to do something for the to the psyche of the Kings, a Kings team that the team has not been to the playoffs since 2006. So I just I just thought whoever's going to win Game Two was going to win the series. Well, as we sit here today, the Kings are up 2-0. And I think that the series has been decided. Game one was decided by what? I think three points. Game two was decided by like eight points. We'll get to the Draymond Green stomp in a second. But let me let me tell you what I've noticed in this series so far. The I keep hitting the mic, Jesus. <laughs> um, one fear that I had about the Kings was their defense. The Kings were statistically one of the worst defenses in basketball, and that doesn't bode well 
when you're going against a team with the firepower that the Golden State Warriors have. And while, yes, you can look at the regular season and understand that the Golden State Warriors was the middle of the pack offensive and defensive team, at least if you talk about field goal percentages and stuff like that, you still have at least three people that can go off at any moment, which is, of course, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Jordan Poole. What I've seen these first two se- these first two games in this series, and one of the biggest reasons why the Kings are up 2-0 is because of the defense that they've played and how, especially game two, was a physical very physical very physical game and the kings have stepped up to the plate the way that they're guarding steph curry and it feels like every single golden state shot is is a tough shot whether it's a tough step back from steph or clay hitting bombs you know it they're all tough i don't golden state very rarely gets easy buckets because of the defense of the kings now, I don't know. I I don't think the series is over because, again, Golden State is still one of the best teams in basketball at home. But there have been things that I've seen in these in these first two two games, the defense being one of them, that kind of confirms the whole this is why I I I was concerned about Golden State and this is why when you say the whole flip the switch thing you have to understand with the whole flip the, flip the switch thing you have to have players that understand know that you're not that the switch is not flipped and you have to have players to have the ability to flip the switch while you have multiple players that can you also have multiple players that can't and that is the golden state warriors see the golden state warriors game plan and you can kind of feel it the golden state warriors game plan is simple contain sabonis try to contain De'Aaron fox don't let anybody else score the problem with that is the the Kings are one of the best or the best offense in basketball. So the first game, you have Malik Monk go off for 30-something points. Next game, Kevin Herter has 15 points. Harrison Barnes is dunking on people. Davion Mitchell is hitting big threes. Trey Lyles is hitting threes. Or, yeah, it's it's – like the game plan is the game plan and on top of that that's why these games have been so close the kings have been playing really good defense on you know on steph i think steph went three for 13 from three last game but it's just everyone else needs to step up and while clay has his moments clay didn't necessarily play well game one game two and i'm not gonna put it all on him but these first two games, Jordan Poole, let me tell you, and again, I talked about this before. I talked about momentum. 
and how momentum is a dangerous thing to have and a dangerous thing to lose. And one thing that I didn't say is momentum can be lost in a, in a moment. A moment can change the momentum. In game two, Golden State, I think, is down like nine, ten points. Jordan Poole comes in the game. They're on a run. They cut it to, I think, four. Has the possibility to cut it to one. Jordan Poole, not only, Jordan Poole comes down, tosses the ball. Golden State's on a run, by the way, a nice run. Jordan Poole tosses the ball to the eighth row, trying to throw the ball to the corner to Andrew Wiggins. I think the very next play, the Kings score. Jordan Poole gets gets a wide-open layup. Tries to finesse it, misses. The Kings go down, knock it, knock down a three. Momentum killed with that with that uh that pass. Jordan Poole has been terrible. This and again, I'm not putting the 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 Warriors being down 2-0 all on him, but he has been terrible. Shot selection has been bad. It's been bad. I don't know if it's the environment. Because as we saw last year in the finals, Draymond Green kind of struggled when he was in Boston because we know about the crowd and everything and how hostile it can be. I don't know if it's the crowd because we know that role players and usually players in general play better at home. They're more comfortable. They know the the, the, the fans are on their side. So maybe we may see the best of Jordan Poole on the you know, at home. I think game game three is is Thursday. But he again, you have to win on the road to win a series, especially as you have to win on the road if you are not the home court advantage, which you're not. The Kings, I fully expect now, I know I predicted Golden State in six, but again, I also said. That the winner of Game Two was going to win the series, and that was go- and that was the Kings. I think the Kings are going to win this series now. I-, I just haven't seen enough, at least the first two games. Now, again, I don't think the series is over, and come Saturday it could be different. But the- there have been things that that have concerned me about the Kings, seeing as though this could definitely be one one if. Andrew Wiggins, you know, Andrew Wiggins hit the three in game one. That would have pretty much won them the game. But I just, the Kings, have, you know, and, and one thing that the Kings are, are exposing of Golden State is you've seen this all year. And that's why players like Andrew Wiggins and, and Gary Payton II are so important to this team. The the Golden State Warriors are are drastically above average when we talk about athleticism. You really only have three athletic players, and that is Jonathan Kaminga, Andrew Wiggins, and Gary Payton II. And Jonathan Kaminga, I just don't think he's there yet as far as he's good and he's getting better, but playoffs is a different animal and as we see every single time he gets in the game he he just fouls so it's just 
one of the biggest reasons why it's so important that that Andrew Wiggins and Gary Payton play more than maybe a Jordan Poole, than maybe a Dante DiVincenzo, is because their athleticism. Now, Dante, Dante DiVincenzo is athletic. He's just small. And the Kings are exploiting that. The King, the, if Golden State, here's the thing. Here's the biggest thing that Golden State needs to do. Golden State needs to play, needs to defend the pick and roll better. Especially a pick and roll that's involving De'Aaron Fox. Because every, and Malik Monk, every single time it feels like Malik Monk or De'Aaron Fox comes off a pick and roll, they're getting a wide open mid-range shot or a wide open three. It's just Golden State is struggling mightily getting off of or defending the pick and roll. And the 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 very few times that they defend the the pick and roll well as far as the person coming off the pick and roll, then you'll have Sabonis or you'll have Alex Lynn have a wide open dunk. And they foul way too much. Again, these are all things that Golden State has struggled with throughout the entire season. You're just seeing it, of course, in the playoffs because the whole flip the switch thing may have not worked. Hell, this is the first time in Steph Curry's uh, era uh, that he is down 2-0 or 0-2. So, obviously, this is untreaded. Treaded waters. Now, of course, we've seen Golden State come back from three one, but I don't think that this is the same type of Golden State. Again, I'm not saying the series is over because we know how different of a team Golden State is at home than they are away, and maybe they get their mojo back. Maybe they 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 proverbial flip the switch. Maybe they do all that at home. But they're going to, if they want to win this series, they're going to have to win at least one game at home or one game on the road, two games on the road. And as we've seen, they have struggled mightily in doing that, especially against a team that's over 500. And the Kings have been playing incredible. Darren Fox is the best clutch player in basketball. When the, when it's four minutes, <laughs> when it's four minutes, or when it's the fourth quarter with like five minutes left in the game, it just feels like Darren Fox turns, like they turn his offensive sliders all the way up. And he just starts hitting everything. And of course, that's when Andrew Wiggins, you know, he is, this is his second game back from a two month height, two month break with, you know, dealing with personal stuff. His legs are gone. Gary Payton, you can have Gary Payton on to play defense but offensively he's not like an offensive weapon like that so you're pretty much playing four on five with Gary Payton on the floor offensively yes he's good rebounding and he's good cutting but he's not a reliable shooter so if Golden State does not defend the pick and well again if the Golden State finds himself down 3-1 or 3-0 it's over with if if they lose at home it's over with. That that's the whole thing that people have been banking on, and I guess I am banking on at this point is Golden State looking drastically different at home than they do on the road, which they've done all year. Well, if 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 the Kings come 
and win at Orc or win at the Chase Center, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Golden State gets gentlemen swept. Five game series. That's just that. The Kings have been they've been it's been a pretty even matchup outside of you know a few possessions, but those few possessions have of course gone to Sacramento. Now let me talk about the stomp. The Draymond Green Sabonis stomp. I'm not going to stay on this long because I don't need to stay on it long. Do I think Sabonis grabbed Draymond Green's ankle? Yes. I mean, there's obviously video footage of us seeing that. Do I think that Draymond Green could have stepped anywhere else <laughs> instead of DeMondis Sabonis's chest? Yes. I think that Draymond Green oversold it. And do I think he should have been kicked out the game? Yes. I mean, bro, you can't stomp on a dude's chest. I understand. Do I think that both plays were dirty? Yes. I think Sabonis grabbing Draymond Green's ankle was dirty because you can pop it out of place. You can pop it. You know what I'm saying? But do I think that Draymond Green pretty much Stone Cold Steve Austin stomping on <laughs> Sabonis's chest was dirty? Yes. Do I think that both team? Do I think that Draymond Green should get suspended? No, because again, he was reacting to a dirty play. I this this Sabonis this series has been a physical series. Now I'm not absolving what Draymond Green did, and I'm not justifying what he did. But what I'm saying is, both of them were dirty plays, and one of them was just extremely more demonstrative than the other. But they both were dirty plays. And I think that, you know, it was right for the, the Draymond Green to be kicked out of the game. You, you just can't stay after that. Like, I, and, and I do understand he was reacting. But again, when, it's, when it looks like that, like, come on, bro. You can't, you can't do that. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I, 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 I don't, I, again, two dirty plays. And I, I don't think Draymond Green should be suspended, but I do think that it was he was right to be kicked out of the game for literally stomping on Demonis Sabonis. But I am going to acknowledge that Sabonis did grab Draymond Green's ankle. So let's move forward and let's let's let me let me talk about the Philadelphia 76ers for a second and James Harden. Philadelphia is currently up, what, 2-0 against the Brooklyn Nets. I predicted that they were going to either sweep or the Nets were going to win one game. I think it's more on the sweep side than it is on the Nets winning a game. The Nets are just drastically outmatched compared you know, to the Philadelphia 76ers when we talk about you know, Joel Embiid, they don't really have another player or they don't have a player that can guard Joel Embiid. Maxie's playing well. Uh, Tobias Harris is playing well. And then we get to James Harden. James Harden had an incredible first game. I think he had like 20-something points. I know he had seven threes. Uh, he had, I think, 13 assists or something like that. Draymond Green had a – I mean, no. James Harden had a great first game. Game two, struggled a little bit. He did lead the game in assists, but he had like eight points. Uh, 
which of course led to the conversation. They don't pay James Harden to lead the league in score. I mean, in assists, they pay him to be an incredible score and assist. Like Drake, we know James Harden to be one of the best offensive weapons the league has ever seen. And that's why a lot of people think that if the Philadelphia 76ers are going to do anything in the playoffs moving forward, it's going to be on the backs of the offense of Joel Embiid and and, and James Harden. And let me, let me, let me, let me say this. I think James Harden can afford to have an eight-point game against the Brooklyn Nets. As we saw, he just did it. And, and he can afford to have an eight-point game, 13, 14, 15 assist game against the Nets. Because the Nets' best scorer is Mikael Bridges, who we're all just finding out that he's a legit scorer like that. But they don't have the, the, the manpower to really keep up with the, the 76ers. So you can have a bad game against the Nets because they're a lesser opponent. But I think the whole legacy conversation is going to kick in with James Harden once you get to round two when you have to play. A, I don't think when you have to play a Boston Celtics because kind of like the same, the same. We'll talk about the, the Hawks in them in a second. But when you have to play a Boston Celtics and now Joel Embiid alone can't win you a series. Now you're going to have to score because now you're going to have to go up against a Jason Tatum. You're going to have to go up against a Jalen Brown. You're going to have to go up against a Malcolm Brogdon. You're going to have to go up against a Grant Grant Williams. Like you're going to have to go up against better players. And you now you now can't afford to not be able to score or score or struggle to score. Even though it will be harder to score because the 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 Boston Celtics is a better better defensive team than the Brooklyn Nets. You see, I have absolutely no question or no concern that the Philadelphia 76ers is not going to make it out of round one. I don't think there's – unless Joel Embiid gets hurt, which knock on wood that doesn't happen, or James Harden or Tyrese Maxey, some – catastrophic injuries I don't see the 76ers losing this series but one thing that I do see if James Harden does not play better James Harden play if he, if he is as inconsistent as he's been this series now again I don't I know this only two games but it's just just it's 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 just two games this year it's it's a it's a pattern with James Harden throughout the entire his entire career think about this James Harden is second all-time, I believe, in three-pointers made. Or third all-time in three-pointers made. One of those two. He's either second or third. James Harden is, I think, the all-time leading scorer in Houston Rockets history. James Harden is, I believe, in the top 20 or 15 in assists. James Harden is a top 75 player. NBA top 75 all time. He's in that he's in that list. He's he made that list. 
James Harden's only been to one NBA Finals, and that's when he was a sixth man on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Since then, James Harden has been to the Western Conference Finals, I think, once after that. And I believe that was with the Rockets when they went up against Golden State. What I'm saying is, a lot of the times that James Harden has 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 not found success in the playoffs has been because of his con- inconsistent play. And while no, it's not going to cost you against the Brooklyn Nets, but as we're seeing early, one game you hit seven threes, the next game you have eight points. The inconsistency, at least for right now, we're we're still we're still seeing it. And while it's not going to hurt you in round one, it is drastically going to affect round two if this doesn't change. So, hey, bro. I'm I'm not, uh, hey. Yeah, you can afford to go eight. And, 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 and Charles Barkley was right to an extent. They're, the You're not... The Philadelphia 76ers aren't paying James Harden to lead the league in assist or lead the series in assists. They're paying him to score the ball or be the second best player on the team. And right now, if you really look at it, you can argue if he is the second best player, and that is that is a problem. Tyrese Maxey's good, don't get me wrong, but you 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 can there's an argument on who is the second best player and that is it's not a good thing. Joel Embiid's been incredible this series and again, I don't know how I mean it's Joel Embiid more than likely is going to win the MVP at this point. But the success of the the Philadelphia 76ers in my opinion is on James Harden's shoulders. And if you can get through a Boston Celtics team in the next round, sky's the limit. But if not, nine times out of ten is going to be because of the inconsistent play of James Harden and the narrative that has been surrounding James Harden in his entire career would only get brighter and louder. So let's move forward. Another one one theme that we have seen throughout at least the first game or two of the playoffs is injuries. And one of the biggest injuries that we saw, of course, was John Morant. John Morant hurting his hand against the Los Angeles Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers ultimately won game one. But and again, I'm recording this before game two, but it's looking like John Morant will not be playing in game two and maybe more moving forward. A lot of people are saying that the go that the Grizzlies are going to be okay because they actually play well without their star, without John Morant. They actually have one of the best records without their star. Because usually when a team is out their star, the you know, they kind of create like the Golden State's record with the Golden State's record with Curry on the bench compared to Curry on the floor is drastically like their their plus minus is drastically different. 
the, the 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 Los Angeles Lakers record with LeBron James and without LeBron James drastically different. The the record with John Morant on the you know John Morant playing and John Morant not playing isn't that much different for the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are a good team all around. Here's the thing though, and I said this when I did the prediction, and you kind of seeing it, or you kind of saw it game one. John Morant has to be the best player on the floor for the for the Grizzlies to win this series. The Lakers have been arguably the best team in basketball since the trade deadline. And as we saw in game one, Rui Hachimura, he had a career high. Austin Reeves telling pretty much proclaiming that he's him and having an incredible game. LeBron James didn't even have that good of a game and they still won. The Lakers... Uh, the this is not the same Lakers that we saw game one of the NBA season. This is a different Lakers team. And even with John Morant, the Grizzlies still get the Grizzlies. This is a tough matchup for the Grizzlies. And as we saw, the Grizzlies struggle. They they have no one to not they, they struggle to guard the wings. Again, Austin Reeves is going off. Rui Hachimura is going off. Andrew, Anthony Davis had a whole stinger, came back, and went crazy. I said, if, J, if Triple J is not on the floor, which shouts out to Triple J for winning the MVP, uh, uh, defensive play of the year. Shouts out to him. But Triple J got, you know, if he's not on the floor and Anthony Davis is, it's a feast. Dylan Brooks cannot guard LeBron James. Dylan Brooks you can't expect him to be he's not a two-way player he can't he's not really good offensively so it's gonna have to be John Moran but with now with John Moran out you know it's tough this is why yes they're the 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 team's record with John Moran and without John Moran is still good but in the playoffs I think they're one in something without John Moran let me see they won a game last year they won a game without John Morant against Golden State and then lost the next three. And then they just lost. So they're like one and three. Or one and two. One and three. So I think this is this is this is monumental if John Morant can't but now X-rays did come out and say that it wasn't fractured or anything. So maybe it's a nerve thing. I don't know. But I do know that they're saying that he's extremely doubtful. At this moment, he's extremely doubtful to play. The Grizzlies cannot win without John Morant. And it was already going to be tough to win with John Morant with this matchup. But because the the Lakers are huge, pause. The Lakers are huge at multiple positions, every position. And that's just especially with a team that is lacking size now that Brandon Clark and, and Steven Adams isn't playing. You need John Morant, and with them not having him, it's going to be tough. Going to be tough. And I will say this. I will say this, though. 
I'm not expecting Rui Hachimura to continue to, you know, drop 29 points or Austin Reeves to continue to go crazy or whatever. But one thing that we are seeing is with the Lakers is it can be somebody else every night. It can be a D'Angelo Russell. It can be a Dennis Schroeder. It can be, of course, outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It can be multiple people. And that that is tough for any team. And when you look at the Western Conference, I, I, I this Lakers team I'm not gonna I'm not gonna predict them to go there, but this Lakers team is good enough to at least make it to a Western Conference Finals, let alone an NBA Finals, because of how they're playing currently. Now there are still some things like they still go through lulls in the game where there was a good the 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 Grizzlies had every opportunity to win this game, they just couldn't capitalize offensively. So go you know defensively there are still times where the Lakers look like the Lakers but they're playing incredible so and without John Morant it's a wrap for the Grizzlies at least another injury that we saw and of course probably not as severe is or definitely not as severe is is uh Giannis Antetokounmpo getting hurt game one against the Heat the Heat ultimately won game one there, there, there is a theory that I've had, and I think the Heat kind of confirmed it. What you see is since the plan has started, usually the teams that are that had to play in the plan usually win Game One of their series. I mean, you saw that again last year with the the Timberwolves won Game One against the the Grizzlies. Usually the team a team that plays in the play and that has to win a game or two usually wins game one in the playoffs because they're coming in hot. They've had more games. They're 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 more lathered up. Usually the, the person the game the team that they have to play has been sitting for a week or so. So they they their juices are flowing and, and it's it's usually either to, easier to get into a rhythm when you just played a couple days instead of played a week ago. So I'm not going to take a lot out of that Miami game because Miami was hot. They just had to play two games to see the Bucks. Also, Giannis went out with a back contusion. Uh, they are saying he's, he's pretty much he's probably going to play game two again. I'm I'm saying this before game two, so you know it, it's it's still it's still up in the, actually game two is is ten, is. Wednesday, so bada bing, bada boom. But I will say this: kind of like John Morant, uh, the Bucks are going absolutely nowhere. If, if the Bucks are a good team, don't get me wrong. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, who was a runner-up for Defensive Play of the Year. But I will say this: if they do not have Giannis to the Kumpo, the 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 Bucks are winning nothing. I'm not going to say the, the the Miami Heat will win this series if they don't have Giannis. Now, I do ultimately think that they will have Giannis. It's not as severe, but Giannis is – I don't care who you are. I don't care how good your team is. Giannis is arguably the best player in basketball. You can't just lose the best player in basketball and think to yourself, oh, we're good. No, no. I will say that Tyler Euro's loss, because Tyler Euro also broke his hand in this in the game, 
he's out for four to six weeks. So he's done. That's a huge loss for the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat team that already has Kyle Lowry that's in and out with hamstring injuries or hamstring injury. And a team that, like I said, struggles to score. They struggle to consistently score. When your best scorers is Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, now it's, you know, Strauss, he's he's okay, but no. Tyler Euros, that is a huge loss. But Giannis being out, which, again, it looks like he's going to play game two. Giannis being out is, 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 again, if Giannis cannot play, and now I know this is probably not going to happen, but if Giannis cannot play, uh, the Bucks are losing the series. I don't. I don't care what happens. <laughs> That's just that. The whole. The whole argument though has been around charges and should they take charges out the game? Uh, no. Nobody. We never talk about charges until John Morant gets hurt and until Giannis gets hurt. But charges have been in the game forever. Right. We can't just change the rules because. It affects somebody else. You know, it affects one or two people. Chart, like, come on now. I do think that you have to be more careful. And if you look at both plays, uh, they could have easily been prevented. I mean, if if John Morant would have kicked the ball to his left and Dylan Brooks was wide open for a three, that's one thing. Giannis Santacumpo, same thing. I believe it was Chris Middleton was open. And they just didn't pass it. Now they got hurt. Now Giannis again is 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 less hurt, I guess you can say, than than John Morant. But hey, I wouldn't take charge out the game. Um, let's move forward. I don't again. I don't have to stay on this one for long. You can one thing that I love that I saw from uh, Boston so far is Boston understands yo we're not we're not here to play we're not trying to play with you we don't want we don't want you to believe that you deserve to be on this floor going into this i said that this was a terrible matchup for the hawks this i think the boston celtics miami heat would have been a better matchup but this was a terrible matchup for the Hawks because the Hawks cannot the the Boston Celtics trump the Hawks in damn near every single position outside of possibly point guard with Trey Young. But in <laughs> game one, you saw it. It's just like, hey, we're not playing with you here. We're not playing with you. They they there was a good there was a point where they were up by like forty points. It's just complete dominance, and you want to when you're the team that just made it to the championship and lost. You want to you you've 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 been sending a message all year. You want to send a message in the playoffs, say, "Hey, we're here for business. We don't care about you. We're running through everybody." Now, I don't know how I don't know how that's going to fare, and again, round two and round three, but. When you're playing against a team that you're drastically better than, you do not play with that. And the Boston Celtics have not. <laughs> and it sucks for Atlanta, but Atlanta, no, Atlanta's not, not that good of a team, at least this year. And the Boston Celtics are making light work of Atlanta. Light work. So, yeah. A very interesting turn of events that we've seen is the series 
the the New York Knicks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I thought this was going to be one of the more interesting series, which of course it has been. But what 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 we're seeing is the true Cleveland Cavaliers and the true New York Knicks. All year and going to the playoffs, people have raved about how the Cavaliers are the best defense in the league, you know, and how they're going against one of the best offenses in the league, at least towards the end of the season, which is the New York Knicks. And I was like, hold on now. Wait a minute. Yes, I understand that the Cleveland Cavaliers have statistically the best offense, but that's because of their front court. That's because of Evan Mobley, who I think finished third in MVP. That's because of of Jonathan or J- uh, J- Allen. That's because of Okora. But when you talk about Darius Garland and you talk about Donovan Mitchell, incredible scores. They're not good defensively. And as we saw in this series so far, Jalen Brunson is taking it to Donovan Mitchell. They're both like the same height. Now, yeah, Donovan Mitchell is is incredible and still scoring with the best of them. But the Knicks are exposing are, are the what the playoffs do is the playoffs usually expose your weaknesses. And, and teams, good teams, are able to capitalize on your weaknesses. The weaknesses for the Cleveland Cavaliers is their, is one, they're a young team. So, as we saw at least game one, there's like their their young players struggled mightily scoring the ball, struggled doing anything. Their best player obviously was Donovan Mitchell, and he he you can tell he was the only person that was really like all right. This is they he knows what a playoff experience is. He knows what the playoff feel is. And it felt and you can see it throughout the game. He was the most consistent. And and even when he he wasn't when he wasn't hitting it, the team wasn't hitting. But what the Knicks have done is they've exploited the fact of, okay, well, Donovan Mitchell's Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland both aren't the best defenders. Uh, And uh, Okora. Bro, you ha- he he is all defense, absolutely no offense. He can't shoot. It's 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 going to be a struggle. This is to me the most evenly matched outside of maybe the first two games of Golden State were pretty evenly matched, but these have been the, this is this series is the most evenly matched series. Jalen Brunson going up against Donovan Mitchell has been a show. Julius Randle, we didn't know if he was going to be healthy, but he came up big. It's it's I'm st- I'm still not going to get off my pick, but you know, the Knicks have shown exactly that they belong, I guess you can say. So and and they've ex- they've exploited the weaknesses that the Cleveland Cavaliers do have. And if they don't get it rectified, then it's it's gonna be a wrap soon. And I and I said this all year, man. I understand the history of the New York Knicks, and you, you we kind of question if we because the playoffs, how they pretty much beat themselves in the playoffs year after year after year. But Jalen, Jalen Brunson might be. Shouts out to Joe Budden. Jalen Brunson actually might be 
one of the best free agent acquisitions that the New York Knicks have ever had. Or no, trades that the New York Knicks, or free agents, I'm sorry, that they've ever had in the offseason. Just the way that he stabilizes this team is, as we're seeing in the playoffs, is is making dividends. Because I will say this, at least in game one, once the Cleveland Cavaliers made that run, usually that Knicks team would fold. They didn't because Jalen Jalen Brunson was going shot after shot after shot. It was it was it was he was incredible. So that's very that's been fun to watch. Um, uh, let me let me talk about uh, the Clippers and Sun series. There's a couple points that I want to hit on this uh, game one. I think that you saw. The inexperience, or let me not say inexperience. You saw the lack of playing time that the Phoenix Suns have had together, and you saw again. It's all sweet when you're in the play when you're in the regular season and you're playing against the the Hornets or whatever, and you can be eight zero. And they did play some good teams. Don't get me wrong, but in the playoffs, that's when you really need to build. You really need to have chemistry. And as we saw game one, the 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 Suns had absolutely no chemistry on the floor. I mean, it felt like they were taking turns. Freaking Chris Paul had seven points. Uh, it, it just DeAndre Ayton had more shots than than Kevin Durant. That that's that just can't happen. You know, I'm not. I still think that the Suns are going to win the series because. The lack of, uh, you know, not having Paul George is huge. And for the people, there's a lot of people commenting on my pe- on my page, which, again, I appreciate all the comments. I'm not saying one of, one of the biggest reasons why I'm saying Paul George not being there is huge. I'm not saying because of his offense. I'm saying because the defense that he can present and his his two way ability that he can present on Devin Booker, you see. Paul people keep saying playoff P which I understand he has struggled in the playoffs but people are negating the fact that he was the best player on the Clippers when they went to the Western Conference Finals just what two years ago so I'm not capable for Paul George don't get me wrong I I know Paul George has struggled mightily in the playoffs but what I'm saying is I'm not saying he needs to be the the Indiana Paul George as, as far as offensively, but they need the Clippers will need him to play defense or need him to play defense against a Devin Booker. Devin Booker struggled game one. Don't get me wrong, I understand that. But as we're about to see, Devin Booker is still Devin Booker and one of the best offensive guards in the league. So, I, I you know it was a huge win. For the Clippers, again, I'm shooting, and I'm going to keep saying this. I know I keep doing it, but I'm reminding you guys. I'm shooting this before game two, which is tonight at like 10 o'clock. So I don't know how game two goes, but I I thoroughly believe that game two will be different. And I think that the Suns, I still think the Suns are going to win. It's just, again, Kawhi Leonard went off for 38 points or something like that. In game one. And then it gets me to my second point, and that's Russell Westbrook. We saw. If you want to know how to describe Russell Westbrook, 
just turn on game one of this series. Everything that Russell Westbrook is was game one. Is Russell Westbrook a high-energy player? Of course. That's how he gets his bread and butter, just being a high-energy player. Is Russell Westbrook a good offensive shooter? Hell no. The man went three for 19, I believe. Is Russell Westbrook going to give you 100% every time? Yes, he is. As you saw from the last play of the game, he he made an incredible defensive stop on De- uh, Devin Booker and you know blocked the shot and threw it off of Devin Booker to, to – to, Secure the win. Is he erratic? Yes, he took some terrible shots. He had some terrible turnovers. But everything that is Russell Westbrook is was game one. You know, there was an argument. There was an argument going around last week. I don't know who started it, but I know I saw it on Undisputed. So, shouts out to you guys. That's where I got it. And that was who had a better career between... Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul. And to answer that question, I think you have to ask yourself, what do you value in a career? Is Has Russell Westbrook accomplished more individually than Chris Paul? Yes. I mean, he has an MVP. He's a triple-double king. Um, he is He's one of the greatest players we've ever seen as far as We've never seen anybody like Russell Westbrook. If you like the the the, the loud, individual, flashy, you know, play, then yeah, you would say Russell Westbrook is better than Chris Paul. But what is Chris? What what makes Chris Paul? What what has Chris Paul done? Chris Paul, of course, is multiple time All Star, multiple time assist leader. Uh, I think he's one of the best point guards of all time not the best of course but one of the best point guards of all time he just hasn't he's only been to one NBA finals and of course he's lost same as Russell Westbrook been to one NBA finals lost so when you if you it if you want a, a, a I will say this if you want if you're talking about individual who's been an individual basketball player I wouldn't be upset if you said Russell Westbrook. Again, he has more of the individual accolades. But when if you're trying to build a team and I need one of them in their prime, I'm taking Chris Paul 10 times out of 10. I just feel he can galvanize and he, with his ability to assist, his IQ. It, it, you would not be wrong if you pick Chris Paul over Russell Westbrook. You wouldn't be wrong if you pick Russell Westbrook over Chris Paul. What I'm saying is it depends on what you value. If you value the triple doubles, if you value the MVP, then of course you're going to go Russell Westbrook because they, if you really look at their accolades, they kind of done they've kind of done the same amount of stuff. However, if you team building and if every single team Chris Paul has went to has gotten better, at least the first few years he was there, you know, I would I understand who you go with, but I think that I still. If you're talking about the totality of the Clippers. Oh, I actually want to, you know what? I also want to shout out Ty Lue. One of the biggest reasons, I like to think that being an NBA coach is one of the hardest sports jobs in general. Or one of the hardest jobs as a coach in general. I understand that the NFL, you have more players. I understand that hockey, you have probably less wiggle room to do, you know, to do things. Baseball, I don't even, you know, I think, I don't know. 
But one of the biggest reasons why I think it's harder to be an NBA coach than any other coach in, in sports is because you have to deal some well, let's let's look at some of the things you have to deal with. You have to deal with egos. The NBA builds their builds their brand on the players, not not necessarily the teams. Like the NFL, the NFL builds their brand on the teams. It's the shield. NBA they get their they brand their product on the players. That's why they elevate LeBron James. That's why they elevate Steph Curry. That's why they elevate and promote someone like John Moran or, or KD. So you have to deal with egos. You have to deal with players that automatically, a lot of players, Not I'm not saying them, but all players that think that they know more than you, which isn't the case. That shouldn't be the case. Then you also have to deal with some players that are just, that are, that are kids that are just coming straight out of high school or one year in college or one year in the G League. One year over, like you have to deal so much. And I say all that to say, Ty Lu, year after year after year, continues to show why he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. When you have to deal with the, the personalities that he has to deal with, think about this. You have, in his coaching tenure, he's had to deal with the personality of LeBron James. And not only deal with the personality, but you have to earn their respect with LeBron James, Kyrie Irving. Kevin Love, J.R. Smith, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and now Russell Westbrook. And he has done that seemingly, seamlessly, let me say seamlessly. Ty Lue is showing that he, I think, I think that Mike Brown is going to win coach of the year. I think he deserves to win coach of the year. But I think that I think right now Ty Lue is probably the best coach in basketball. And I'm not taking away for anything that Greg Popovich has done. I'm not taking away from anything that Eric Spolstra has done. I'm not taking away from anything that, you know, Steve Kerr or Mike Budenhoser or um, any of these coaches have done. I just believe that Ty Lue has proven to be one of, if not the best coach in basketball currently. Again, I think that Mike Brown deserves to win coach of the year. I think that what he's done with the Kings warrants him to be the coach of the year. But everything, but but Ty Lue continues to show, and, and don't get me wrong, I understand. When I think of Ty Lue, I still think of the step over. I'm an Allen Iverson fan. It is what it is. But Ty, Ty Lue has proven to be one of, if not the best coach in basketball. Shouts out to him, man. Now, again, I, I, even if they lose this series, I just think that with the with the injuries and everything, it's a tough series to win. It is a tough, tough series to win. But, I mean, again, I shouts out for winning game one. Shouts out for winning game one. So, turn up. And I'm not going to stay on this long. Uh, it goes back to the same conversation that I had with, uh, with, um, the the Boston Celtics and the 
and the Atlanta Hawks. When you're better than a team, or when you feel a team does not deserve to be on the same floor as you, you don't play games with it. You don't. You don't. <laughs> you, you 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 make a statement and you keep it moving. And that's exactly what the what the Denver Denver Nuggets did. There the 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 Denver it feels like the Denver Nuggets and at least going into the playoffs the Denver Nuggets and the the Minnesota Timberwolves are going in two different directions. A team that's getting healthy in the Denver Nuggets. Jamal Murray's playing better. Uh, Aaron Gordon's playing better. Michael Porter Jr.'s playing good. You have Jokic, who's an MVP finalist. You know you you know. They're going up. But then you have a team in the Minnesota Timberwolves. You have Rudy Gobert fighting Kyle Anderson. You have uh, McDaniels punching a wall, fracturing his hand. Carl Anthony Towns, he... You know what I realized about Carl Anthony Towns? Year and year has been proven. And... Carl Anthony, if Carl Anthony Towns is your best player, you're not a championship caliber team. I like Cat. Has a fifty-point game in the league. I like. I think he had a fifty-point game this year, maybe, or maybe last year. But if Carl Anthony Towns is your best player, you're not a championship-winning team. We've seen that year after year after year, and as we're seeing in these playoffs, there is a drastic difference between the Denver Nuggets and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Think about how many names the Timberwolves have: Rudy Gobert. Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, Michael Con- Mike Conley. None of that matters. The and the Denver Nuggets showed game one. They are the superior team. And I I think that the Minnesota Timberwolves can get a game because of their size. I think their size and, and if the Denver Nuggets aren't shooting well, their size can be a problem for a game. Because, hell, even Jokic scored 13 points. But he didn't need to score that much. John uh, Murray went crazy. Michael Porter Jr. went crazy. Carl, uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope went crazy. Denver did exactly what the Boston Celtics did. You look at a team that's across from you and say, you don't deserve to be on this floor. We're going to handle business. And they did. And I think that's going. you're going to see that throughout the entire series. It's going to be a quick one. I'm going to, like I said before, I think there's going to be a gentleman sweep, if not a sweep. So there you have it, man. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I appreciate you guys. For the for the people asking me why I haven't talked about the draft like that or why I haven't done a mock draft, because I don't want to do a mock draft. I don't care about it. I will say this. I'm not saying I don't care about the draft. I'm saying I don't care about a mock draft. What I'll do is what well, the draft is next week, right? I will talk about the draft all next week. That's not the only thing I'm going to talk about, of course, but I will talk about the draft all next week. But I don't want to do mock draft point one, point two, point five, point six. Like, what's the point of that? Uh, I will talk about the draft. I promise you. And I appreciate all your support. I really do. I really do. I really do. 
But that has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I do truly appreciate you guys. If you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve, joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to if you're listening. Please subscribe to if you're watching. It definitely, definitely, definitely means a lot to me. And until next time, much love.